We're in a series called Saturate, and um, our heart is to see our city, our neighborhoods, our families, our friendships, our workplaces saturated with the goodness and the good news of Jesus. Uh, both of those together, it's, uh, it's, what, it's how we can bless people tangibly, but also how we can share uh, who Jesus is with others and help them to come to know this incredible promise that God has for their lives in Christ and I was, as I was thinking about this weekend particularly, um, I shifted like last next week's message to today it, it, because it was Thanksgiving and it was a little bit more of a family event. I was thinking about Thanksgiving as well, and Thanksgiving is a great example of of holidays that bring families together. Thanksgiving started and uh, officially became something that Parliament put into place in 1957, but it has some roots beyond that. But Thanksgiving, like other holidays, is an example of how families perpetuate um, their, 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 um, their relationships um, as they share a meal together, as they make a priority around coming together and encouraging one another and being thankful for the things in their lives. And families have this amazing capacity in our society throughout the world to spread ideas, Often it's been said that all you need is a small group of people to change the world. And in fact, that's all often what you need. And families are probably one of the most smallest unit um, in our world, in our global society. And it's amazing what can happen as a family begins to live out their own priorities, their lives. In sometimes good ways or bad ways, there's the opportunity to spread something. And when you think about that, families have a way of spreading principles, have a way of spreading values have a way of um, communicating something tangible on their street. And they, have a, they also have a way of passing things on from generation to generation. So I bet you that there are things you do today because you had a great-grandfather or great-grandmother that somehow had something in them. And, and that's because through your family, that's kind of come through. Now, maybe you're, you're like, I wish I didn't have that trait about me, but part of that's, but maybe you're happy about it. it. It really, it's not about, is it negative or positive? It's the power of families to spread ideas, to spread principles. And it's not just the nuclear family. Often it's even small groups of people that have the power to change the world. When we think about our church, Westside Gathering, we are a church family. We are a community of faith, a family on mission, a family that's called to saturate the world with God's goodness, with God's good news. And we do that through ordinary practices and ordinary patterns throughout our lives. As I was thinking about how some um, uh, community ch- churches or, or, or groups of, of um, communities on mission do this, I, was thinking, I, I read about this amazing thing that goes on. There's this thing called the Mennonite House Network. And it's these uh, believers that are connected to Mennonite churches that open up their homes for anybody who's traveling. And they're part of a network. And if someone goes from a city to another city and they don't have a place to stay, this house says, you're welcome here. In different cities across North America and even across the world, I thought, how can that, how can that happen? And it's not government-run. Nobody subsidizes it. There's no tax money that goes towards it. Nobody says you have to do it. I think it happens because a small group of people believed in something called hospitality and love and grace in a way where their faith fuels it that they say, our house will be open for travelers who come by. And it happens through families. 
Last year, the last couple of years, some Westsiders have hosted international students around the Christmas holidays where someone who's here from another part of the world has nowhere to stay at Christmas and they can enjoy a meal, an evening, a time with uh, you know, an extended family where they can feel like they are appreciated and welcomed into our country while they're studying. How does something like this happen if not through a small group of people that would believe in certain values and certain purposes in a way to affect change in our world? So how does a group of people do this? How does a person do this? Or even a group of people like a church sustain that kind of life and spread that kind of life around? I want to look to Jesus' example in this. And um, for those of you who are our guests with us today, we love to look at the life of Jesus. Uh, he is our model. He is our leader. We also call him our savior because he's forgiven us of our sins and given us new life. But we also equally call him Lord because he leads us and guides us. And I want to look at this text in Luke chapter 6. It's one of the gospel texts. Um, and we find Jesus modeling something that I call the three-dimensional life. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. I want to just read this text with you for, for a moment. So it's, it's uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And if you don't got a Bible with you, you can follow along on the screen. On the screen. Let's read this. This is really just a descriptive um, transitionary moment as Jesus is, is, uh, is, is just developing his disciples and ministering to the crowds of people as he did 2,000 years ago. So listen to this. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Would you just pray with me for a moment? Father, we, uh, just, we posture our hearts um, to welcome your words to us in this moment. Regardless of where we are on our spiritual journey, we... We invite you um, to grab a hold of our hearts and our minds. Show us who you are in a greater way and the kind of life you have in store for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I I like this text, and it's interesting. We don't read any of Jesus' recorded words. So we can't say, what did Jesus say in this short description? Um, But we can say, what did Jesus do? In this short description, often we focus on the words of Jesus and the words of Jesus are truth and life giving and they they help us understand who God is and and invite us into the life God has in store for us. And some but but too often we ignore Jesus's ways. I mean, how did he do things? How did he go about his day? Um, What were some of his patterns or practices? And I think here in this short text, we discover not necessarily the words of Jesus, but we discover the ways of Jesus. And his ways are just as important as his words, how he lived his life, how he structured his day, how he prioritized his calendar and his relationships. You see, if following Jesus is living life 
to the fullest and living life that he invites us to, then it's not just his words that we learn from. We also learn from his ways. And Luke catches something in particular here about Jesus on this day. And it's on this, this short description, just in between scenes of the gospel story, that we see three kinds of relationships that are important to Jesus. Three ways that he lives his life. Three categories or relationships that he focuses on. And that's why I want to call today's message like the three-dimensional life. This sense of living, not in a one-dimensional way, not in a two-dimensional way, but in a three-dimensional way, where we see how Jesus lived his life all-encompassing. We've been in this series called Saturate. How do we saturate our culture with good news and goodness? Well, we cannot do it in only our own ways or only in a one-dimensional way. Jesus teaches his disciples how to saturate themselves into this new way of life, but he also teaches how to live in such a way where we grow in him, but we also influence others. And so I want to put this triangle up that I think really reflects the heart of Jesus. And maybe you know, you're familiar with these terms as we might have used them at Westside before. But this triangle gives us a a little bit of a glimpse of Jesus' life, what we see his ways about. And it's this up, in, and out type of relationships. He, He lived in an upward relationship with his father. He lived in an inward relationship with his disciples. And he lived in an outward relationship with the world. Let's just take one at a time this morning for a moment. Jesus had this upwards focus. One of the dimensions or the the relationships that he focused on was his relationship with his father. In verse 12, it simply says this. It's just a description, right? All it says is, on one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. It's only a description. It's short, just a sentence. But it tells us something about one of Jesus' core relationships in his life. It's his relationship with his father. That on that day, he went and took some time on a mountainside to get away from the crowd, to get away from even his disciples, to get away from his routine, to spend quality time in conversation with his father, God. It's not abnormal in the Gospels to, for us to see Jesus doing this. Often we'll read that he got up early in the morning to pray, or he went off to a certain solitary place to pray. What was he doing? He was spending time with his father. He was spending time in conversation and also listening to God, his father. He stops often along his journey, along a routine, along something that's going on to say, I need to press in with my father. My dad passed away several years ago, and one of the things I miss the most about my dad is that I could just, I was figuring something out at home or trying to make a decision on a mortgage or a house or something. I was like, dad, what do you think about this? (laughs) Dad, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this decision I'm making. I would love to hear your wisdom. What do you, what have you gone through? One of the things I miss so much about my dad is the opportunity just to call him and say, can we talk for a few minutes? We see this happening in Jesus' life with his heavenly father. Here he immerses himself in conversation with the father. He spends the night praying to God. The night praying to God. He took time to immerse himself. It wasn't a quick phone call. It was an evening, a night, seeking time with his dad. 
Sometimes you've done that with people where the conversation just goes all night and you realize, oh, time has passed, but we've been enriched, right? Jesus loved to spend time with his father. I remember being in a hotel room in Toronto years ago with a few people from Westside when we were just early in our journey and I was wrestling in my heart, feeling dry, and I felt like I needed to spend time in worship and I, I was all alone in the hotel room and I didn't know what else to do. I, I, I opened my laptop and I put on a couple of worship songs, probably on YouTube. It was, it was functioning 10 years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and so I just remember it took me at least 15, 20 minutes to press into some significant time with God in prayer. But as I, and this wasn't necessarily normal for me to, to just kind of push, push, push like that. There was something in me that says, I need to spend quality time with God. And I remember passing 10 minutes and 20 minutes and 30 and hitting 40 and 45 minutes. And that second half of that time with God became so precious. It was this moment of immersion with God the Father. Here, Jesus is specifically spending time with his Father, but it's also around an important decision because he's going to choose his disciples. Just in a moment, he's going to choose the 12 that he will significantly pour into for three and a half years. So he's saying, God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your direction. God, I need to understand who to choose here. It was too important of a decision to neglect his father's wisdom. And so one of the core dimensions or relationships of Jesus is that his life had this upward focus. And if we want to saturate our community with goodness and good news, if we want our lives to be saturated with this, we need an upward focus in our life. We need to spend time with God. We read about it in Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Jesus would have recited that very same phrase every single day, two or three times a day. It was something that he would have recited as a Jew. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He would have literally said those words over and over again throughout his day, two or three times. Paul talks about how we have been adopted as God's sons and daughters. That's his upward relationship. James speaks about how when we draw near to God, he promises to draw near to us. That's his upward relationship. John, the apostle, who later in his old age says, how lavished we are that we can be called children of God. It's an upward relationship. And so one of the three dimensions of a life that will be saturated in Christ but also saturate the world is one who has an upward relationship with the Father. But this text, this little simple descriptive text goes on to a second dimension. And in verse 13, it says, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them. It was like in this moment, Jesus gathers these 12 people. He creates an extended family. He creates an extended family of people. It was like a band of brothers for him, but it was also others who might have been connected to that, a community that he would do life with and a community that he would do mission with. He spent three and a half years with these 12 people and they grew in relationship. They grew to care for one another. They grew to have each other's back, to, to share with each other, to help provide for each other. They were a community that went through life together and did mission together. And here's the key. You cannot do life alone and you cannot do mission alone. Even if you're here today and you don't consider yourself a follower of Christ, I would say you can't do life alone. You can't. If you try and do life all by yourself, eventually you get tired. Eventually you realize you need support. 
But even as a follower of Christ, even though we have this upwards relationship with God, we cannot do life alone. And we especially cannot do mission alone. Jesus took the time to nurture the relationships with these closest to him. And it wasn't an oversight. It wasn't an extra. It wasn't just part of the plan or part of the program. It was how he lived his life. Part of what life was meant to be like. And when we think about a community, an extended family, not just your nuclear family, but an extended family of people in your life, it brings support, encouragement, it lifts us up, it it challenges us, it teaches us. It's so vital. Some New Testament examples around this are in the book of Acts when when the church starts to grow. It says that, that these early Christ followers saw each other so often. They ate meals together. They cared for one another. Paul later would tell the churches that are starting, love one another, care for each other, bear each other's burdens, hold each other accountable. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews will tell the church, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Don't do this alone. Encourage each other. Peter later will tell a group of believers, be hospitable to one another. Open your life to one another. Care for the people in your life. And so the second dimension of what it, the second set of relationships is not necessarily just an upwards relationship. It's an inwards relationship with those that God has called you to walk on mission with. You can't do life alone. You can't do mission alone. This third one is, um, is probably sometimes one of the hardest for us. And it's verse 17. It says, that Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place, and a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over the place, Judea, Jerusalem, the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, people just came and flocked to Jesus to hear him and to be healed by his diseases, or to be healed by their, of their diseases. And, and it says that all the people tried to touch him because power was coming from him to them. Jesus moves from this upwards moment with the Father. He, he establishes his community on mission, this extended family of the 12 disciples. And then in this, he moves to this next dimension, this third dimension, this third set of relationships, and it's an outwards relationship. It's, it's thinking about the people around him. It's thinking about the world around him. It's thinking about uh, who is needy in here. And this third relationship is equally important to Jesus. Often we read about the crowds in the Gospels. And the crowds are those who are often flocking to Jesus because they want to hear a word of encouragement. They want to hear life. They, 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 they're looking for healing. And they come close to him. But the beauty is that Jesus is looking for them too. He's longing for his power to go from him to them. He wants to heal their diseases. He wants to give them life. When we read about Jesus' life in the Gospels, he models a life that exists to bless others. Just came across Luke 4 the other day with our family, and one of the things that jumped out, of us is, jumped out at us is that Jesus was anointed, meaning he had a calling, a purpose, to preach the good news, to set the oppressed free, to give sight to the blind, to free the prisoners. Jesus' life was meant to bless other people. And he lives this out. He lives this out. But here's the cool thing. He doesn't do it alone. It's not just Jesus. Jesus was with his disciples and with even a larger crowd of disciples, and other people came around. Jesus 
partnered with his disciples. They were doing this mission thing together. They reached out together. They served people together. And I want us to just think about this as we think about this whole series that we're wrapping up next week, this idea that we are a community on mission. We're not just people on mission. We're, we're not just individuals on mission. It's not just Dave or Franca or Catherine or Sean or whoever. It's not just me or you on mission. It's us, a community on mission, a family on mission that lives not just in an upwards relationship with God or with inward with each other, but how are we serving the world? How are we serving the world? And we see this over and over again in the, in the New Testament and beyond the New Testament as the church continues to grow and serves those around him so much that the Roman Empire would say, who are these people that are feeding our poor? Who are these people that are burying our dead? Who are these people that are welcoming the lepers into their house? And the Roman Empire was upset because this band of people that called themselves Christ followers were, doing, were serving people that were outside their own small community. They were loving people and caring for people. What do you think fueled that? It was their upwards relationship with the Father, their inward relationship with each other, and it went outwards to other people. So Jesus shows us this multidimensional life, this three-dimensional life, upwards, inwards, outwards. You know, I have this, um, I have, one of my eyes is not really great. I don't see well with it. And one of the issues, and my kids make fun of me and so other people, is, is, uh, is this. Do you guys know what this is? you remember these kind of glasses? They look a little bit more cooler now when you go to Guzo or you know, Cineplex. Um, they're black and whatever. But this is what they used to look like. These are 3D glasses. You would put these on to watch a 3D movie so that when you watch the 3D movie, you can actually see things coming at you, right? You, get, you know what I'm talking about, right? I, I have a problem. One of my eyes doesn't work well. So I'm always using my right eye as my strong eye and the combination of red and blue just doesn't work on me. And it sucks, right? So I remember we were in Disney World and, and stuff was coming at the screen and my kids and everybody around us was like, oh my goodness, and I'm just like, nice movie. Because it, it just didn't work. It was like, this sucks. I want to see 3D. Like I want to be able to see this. Now the glasses are better. They're not colored but the effect is still not as strong as everybody else in the crowd. And it, it's, it's a bummer because there's a difference between watching a one or two dimensional movie and then it's like, oh wow, this is 3D. This is crazy. Think about that for a moment. How often do we just lean in one of these dimensions and we wonder, why doesn't our life feel as fulfilling. Why don't I feel excited about life? And you might say, but I'm spending so much time with God and I spend a lot of time with God and I read the Bible and I pray and I worship and I listen to every worship album out there. Why don't I feel you're living a one-dimensional life? And you might say, but I spend so much time with with, uh, other believers or even with a close-knit group of friends that encourage me and all this stuff. And why don't I feel this sense of joy and you're living a one-dimensional life. You might even be giving so much to people and the poor and serving and reaching out to your neighbors and you might even be doing that with a group of people but your upwards relationship with God is just really down and you're wondering, why don't I feel this? It's because you're living just a two-dimensional life. And Jesus models a three-dimensional life. And as I was thinking about this, if you go to the next, um, let me ask you this question here and everyone has a little piece of paper on on their chair 
And if you don't, get one at the back when you go out. But here's this question. And I believe if we all answer this honestly, that it's going to help us today move a little bit, a step forward towards a three-dimensional life. Simple question. Where do you lean? Which direction do you lean in most? If you're honest with yourself and you gave yourself a, a one to ten, like, like a number from one to ten. Maybe go to the next slide, Andy. And, and you would say, well, what would you give yourself on the up? One to ten. On the in. On the out. If you just took 20, 30 seconds right now and just looked at that and said, where am I? Where am I in this upwards relationship with God? Where am I with this inwards relationship with people? Where am I on this outwards relationship? I think it's so important we ask this question because our desire is to follow the ways of Jesus and live the life that he calls us to live. So where do you lean? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I wish I, we could all, we all had iPads and we can fill out a poll and we had like percentages kind of come up and shoot them on the screen. But, but for your very purpose, just take, take, a, take 10 seconds and if you've got a pen, fill it out. If not, just look at it and say, where do I lean here? Do it, for real. Hey, don't worry, you can do it right now. We'll, we'll turn into like a lab. Is that all right? Just do it. Think about it. Don't think about the last 10 years or year. Just think about this last season. Now, I don't know where you answered. If you're a one or a seven or an eight on an up, if you're a 10 or a three on out, if you're a seven or a five on in, it's okay. There's no right or wrong answer. But it is about discerning where am I? And also, like we've been doing in this series, where, where, where do I need to be? Where do I need to grow? Where do I need to follow Christ's example, Christ's life? And here's the beauty is right, right here is that sweet spot. This is where Jesus lived. Up, in, and out. He lived a three-dimensional life. Now, there, there, here's the danger. If you lean upwards and leave the rest beside, be, behind, that's dangerous. I had a cousin in Italy whose dad was a bivocational pastor. And every time I talk to him, he's so mad at the church. Because every Sunday his dad went to a Sunday morning gathering and a Sunday afternoon gathering and a Sunday night gathering and went to another town and it was all about Jesus and this, my cousin never played soccer with his friends outside and my, my cousin never was able to do anything because the, his dad just had this upwards thing and that was it. There was no time for anything else. That's a lopsided dimension. You might be part of a family and you might say, Oh, we love our family. We spend every evening together. We have family nights three times a week. My kids are in sports. I want them to excel in school. And you know what you're doing? You're leaning in. You're just leaning in. You're, maybe you're worshiping your kids. Maybe you're worshiping your relationships if it's not part of a family. And it's lopsided. 
Maybe you're such a giver and you give so much to other people. You're giving, 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 and all the people in your life are just neglected. And God is taking the back seat. But you, get, you feel like that drives you. That's lopsided. That's lopsided. So let me end with, with asking this question if you move to the next thing. What would it look like in our week, in our rhythm, in our life, in our month, to say, is there some predictable patterns that we can create in our week to make sure that, that we move towards this three-dimensional life, to create that, that sweet spot where we are living upwards in relationship with the Father, where we are living inwards in relationship with our community on mission and, and those that are closest to us in our lives, and we are living outwards. What would your week look like? We all have seven days in a week. We all have 21 meals a week. We all have the same amount of hours in the week. Give or take, we need six, seven, eight, to 10 hours to sleep a night. So we, we're, all, we're almost on playing field. There's some different you know, things in your life that make you different from me or vice versa. But when you look at your week, is there these predictable patterns that you can put into your week? What would it say if, if of the 100, what is it, 168 hours in a week? I don't, I don't know if someone knows. But roughly, what if you said, I'm going to spend one hour a week learning and listening from my father, to my Father in heaven. Just one. So I'm gonna, this is going to be this predictable pattern. This predictable pattern that one hour a week I'm going to spend listening and learning from God the Father. One hour a week dedicated to listening to God. One hour a week dedicated to learning from God. What if a few evenings a week you said, I, I'm going to, how am I going to press in one night a week, make sure, make sure that I am I am like spending significant amount of time with my immediate family. Maybe one night a week I'm spending significant time with my community on mission, my church community. What about one night a week saying, how can I spend time or think about others in my life? And of course, those that are closest to you and those that orbit your life, it's going to be much more than just once a week. But is there some predictable patterns you can put in place? Uh, my wife and I started this yearly, you know, we, we want to make it a yearly thing where we, we have like a neighbor's barbecue. And that's just going to, for us, we say, well, that's a predictable pattern. Can we have this once or twice a year where we make sure we're all together and then throughout the year spend sporadic time with them in other, in other ways? But then think about the out. Is part of my schedule, does it lean outwards? Does it lean towards people? Does it give from me to others? Is part of my week dedicated to bless people beyond me, to bless people beyond those in my closest circle? And look at your week and say, how can I live in such a way that reflects this multidimensional life that Jesus longs for? You know, when I think about it just in a practical way, you might be here today and say, oh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really subscribe to the teachings of Jesus but I bet there's something about this three-dimensional life that, that makes sense to you. Because we can't live just for ourselves. We can't live just for others. And we can't live just with some source um, influencing us. We must live in a holistic way. I think about my, 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 kid, my son's high school. And when I think about how they go to school, they learn, they hang out with each other. And, and usually the, the kids that feel the, the best experience in high school are the ones that are serving outside themselves, 
are the ones that are saying, oh, we're going to be part of something that blesses, that, that helps us serve others. I was talking to Will Weaver the other week, and he was you know, leading at some camp. There's, well, thanks, Will. Hey, ooh, everybody give Will a hand. <laughs> uh, he, he led at a camp, you know, and like led younger kids, and I thought, that is an outward expression. That's just a natural way of, God has created us to live this way. Upwards, inwards, outwards. But as a church community, it goes deeper than that. It's not some source, it's God. He leads our lives. It's not just, you know, any community that we do mission with, it's God's people, the church. And then there's the world around us that needs us to be a blessing to them. So I encourage you to think through that. And, and maybe for some of you, I just I want to close with this. Maybe for some of you, you're saying this upwards thing, I feel like there's a wall. Like, I get the in and the out, but I, I, I don't know about this upwards thing. And maybe you feel a wall because there is a wall. And that's, that wall is called the rebellion of humanity. The wall is called the sinful nature. That wall is called, uh, there's, there's something between us and God called sin that, that stops us from experiencing him. And when Jesus came and fulfilled his mission and died on a cross and resurrected from the grave, he came to break down that wall. So if today if you're feeling, there's a wall between this God you talk about and me, and I, I don't feel like I can achieve or experience this upwards relationship, you can because Jesus broke down the wall for you. Jesus went to the cross and broke down the wall just for you and for me and the world so they can come to know and have this upwards relationship with their heavenly father. So they too can say how lavished we are that we are called God's children. And if that's you today, your response can be, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, thank you for breaking down the wall. Forgive me of my rebellion, my sin, my distance even from you. And I I long to be in relationship with you. And you'd be putting your trust in Christ. We're going to pray around that as we close. But let me, let me leave you with, um, with one last challenge. Sean set it up for me. The 25th, uh, we don't have a gathering here. It's closed, the school. So we thought, what are we going to do? Are we going to go in? Are we going to go up? And I think when, I bet you if you all, most of you struggled with, probably struggled with the out a little bit. And so we want to do, we've been talking about saturating the city with goodness and good news. What if we took that Sunday and just called it Saturate Sunday and we splash the community with God's goodness and God's grace and we're not going to plan it for you, but I bet you that in the next week or so, you can take time and, and ask the Lord, Lord, who can I bless on that weekend? Who can I make a difference for in that weekend? Is there a neighbor that you've been getting my attention about and we've been having some conversations? Can we spend brunch together or breakfast together or lunch together? Is there, is there something going on in, on my street where someone needs some yard work done and we can be the hands and feet that help that yard work get done? Is there something going on in the general community, maybe a nonprofit or something that would need two or three volunteers and you, you know, gang up with a couple of people from Westside and say, we're going to go help that nonprofit. We're going to go bless that community. So this Sunday, on October 25th, we're not going to meet here. We're not even going to organize groups for you to go to because I think that would make you go in and up. 
But, I, but here's the deal, that you can either on your own or with a few people or with a, your community group or, or mix and match it up a bit, where you say, we are going to make this day about saturating the city. We're going to make this day about spreading God's goodness and God's good news. We're going to make this day about reaching outwards and be a blessing to somebody, to somebody. And I can't believe that there's not at least one small way that you can be a blessing that weekend. I can't believe that it's impossible. I think it's possible. You, do you believe? Do you agree with that? Are you in? Are you in? No, seriously, that's really like really lame. Yes. Okay, why don't you stand? And, and are, are you really in for this? Okay, now let me give you a framework. If it doesn't work out like from 9 in the morning to 12 at noon on a Sunday morning... That's okay. You can schedule it for later in the afternoon or that night or the night before. But make this weekend, reflecting this date, a date where you splash your neighborhood or your net worth with God's goodness and God's good news. You have three weeks, well, two weeks to do this. You have two weeks to, to, to talk with people maybe in the church and say, how can we, hey, what, you want to do something together? Or do you know of something? Do you hear of something? We'll try and help with some resources. So think through that, pray through that, and then act on it, all right? Let's pray. Father, um, we thank you, Lord, for this amazing example in Jesus, your son, of this three-dimensional life. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you, God, that you made a way for each of us to be in a relationship with you, our heavenly Father. We thank you that Jesus came and broke down the wall between humanity and you. And that we have been invited to know you as our heavenly dad. That we can spend time with you and get wisdom from you and find love and affection and identity and affirmation from you. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that feels like there is a wall between them and you. I pray that they would have heard clearly that Jesus has broken down that wall and that even in this very moment, they can say yes to Jesus and put their trust in him and begin to follow him and experience this upwards relationship with you. If that's you this morning, I encourage you, say yes. Say yes. Affirm that Jesus has broken down that wall. Put your trust in Christ and ask him to forgive you of the rebellion, the sin, and then thank him because he's already moved the wall so you can experience his love and grace and life. And Father, we know that we are not just called to be an upwards relationship with you, but as Jesus shows us, we are called to be a community on mission together. We are called to grow inwards and with others. May we see that grow in our lives. And then God, as we move out, empower us by your Holy Spirit to be your living and local presence in our neighborhoods, in our networks, in our families, in our friendships. God, may we live in such a way empowered by your spirit that we will see your goodness saturate 
others around us, and we will also see your good news being spread and heard and embraced so others will find you in your son, Jesus. God, we long for this three-dimensional living. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.